Hello and welcome to Running on Joy with Francesca Goodwin, the podcast that celebrates putting one foot in front of the other in whatever form that takes. This is a podcast that explores how we can live in a more connected, creative and compassionate manner for the benefit of our communities, our planet and our own mental and physical health. I'm your host, Francesca Goodwin, and every week I'll be asking a new interviewee what joy means to them. Running on Joy is ad-free, but if you enjoy the show, please do take a moment to leave a review and give feedback wherever you listen to your podcasts. You might also consider supporting the work of Running on Joy guest Dan Lawson through rubbish shoes and rerun clothing to end the cycle of wastage in the sports clothing and footwear industries. Follow at Rubbish Shoes and at Rerun.Clothing on Instagram for further information. Hello everyone, welcome to the podcast. As regular listeners may have noticed, I'm keen to tell the stories that hide from the direct limelight, as well as opening new channels with more publicly familiar faces. Today's guest is of the former variety. They are an amateur triathlete, cyclist and a father, who have also happened to have ridden 2,500 kilometres from Croydon, London, to their native Cadiz in Spain, all in 10 days, and all for a bowl of soup. My understanding is that that's not quite the whole story, and so before we discover more, I will now, as is customary, give them the space to introduce themselves in the manner of their choosing. Hi, uh, well, my name is Alvaro de la Camera. I'm originally from Spain, but I've been living in the UK for the last 10 years. Um, as you mentioned, I am one of three of, um, of uh, a group of people uh, we call ourselves Cycling for Soup, and we kind of like try and use sports as means to, um, you know, help people and, and try to like send a positive message there, and yeah, try, try to help and raise uh, funds um, for any um, activities and, and organizations that we think they're close to our hearts. That's so awesome. And thank you so much again for giving me your time today. And also for wearing such a great t-shirt with like a kind of starburst on it. Because it's just like bringing so much kind of light and positive color to my screen at the moment. So this is an audio only podcast. So people don't get don't get the t-shirt experience. But thank you so much, Alvaro. So I'm just keen to kind of dive in to sort of like start the story from the beginning with kind of what was growing up like for you. Okay, uh, growing up, uh, I mean, I've always been surrounded by sports. Uh, my family is, is quite all like into sports. Like I was cycling when I was a little kid with my dad. I, I remember like waiting for my dad for him to come back from work. Uh, super excited because I knew we were going on a, on a little bike ride. Although for me, he felt like I was going for hundreds of kilometers. I think it was like probably maybe like two kilometers around <laughs> from our house. <laughs> but yeah, uh, my life has been around uh, sports always. Um, I then moved into what well, I discovered BMX, which was uh, freestyle BMX, which is it was a very long and important part of my life. I did a lot of like contests and video filming and all those things. And yeah, after that, I kind of like step back a bit and discover endurance sports. And I got hooked up after doing my first um, Olympic triathlon. And since then, till today. <laughs> wow. So, so back when you were younger, were you like doing all the tricks and stuff with the BMX then? <laughs> Is that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the jumps and yeah, all those things. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and did you have kind of a group of friends that you did that with? Was it quite a sociable thing to do? Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. Like, uh, not just uh, what we were. The BMX is a massive community, just like any other sports, you know. Like, um, but yeah, you can't like get into it. Like, and all of my friends to this day are related to BMX as well. We just like changed the sport into like big bikes. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> just upgraded it. <laughs> Boys with bigger toys now, right? <laughs> and so yeah, it's, it's all more serious now, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. We'll, we'll certainly be getting into that. So, but what was it that kind of appealed about cycling in particular then? So you've kind of done a lot of sort of multi-sport things, but what was it about the bike? Good question. Um, I think, I, I don't know, I, I don't think I can describe it with words, you know, like I think the bike, whether it, in all shapes or forms of a bicycle, it's always been an extension of me. Yeah. I've always had a bike with me, you know, like as, as long as I can remember, I've always been with a bike, you know, I was with my friends when I was younger and I had a bike. And then I was BMXing, so I was always cycling to places or to the skate park. I even partying, I'll take my bike there. <laughs> and then, you know, 36 down the line, 36 years down the line, I'm still carrying my bike around <laughs> everywhere to work, to train, for fun. It's just an extension. I don't know how to describe how does it make me feel, but it's like, it's, it's a part of me and I enjoy it and I love it. That's so lovely. I, I I hadn't really thought of it as like the um or like the the concept of a bike could be so kind of intrinsic to you in a way. And I guess as a runner, it's like the idea of kind of my legs moving over the earth is kind of like I can't. You know, it's really difficult when I can't do that. Um, and and to think that that actually there's kind of like this part of you that is is bike in a way it's, it's yeah, really yeah. lovely yeah, I guess it's the same it's uh, it's another tool you know your legs are, are a tool where it, it takes you to places you go and run a mountain and you're like oh my god you know i just i just put myself all the way up here the bike is the same you know i just appreciate um the places that it's taking me the friendships that i've made over the years the way i the, the way i look at the world you know like i'm I'm very, very happy that I, I, I have found something that allows me to feel the way I feel. Do you remember the very first time that you ever got on a bike? Yeah, yeah, I, I remember it perfectly. I, I, what? Well, sorry, that might be that might be a bit too much. I remember the, the, the day that I learned how to ride a bike. Funny enough, I have a photo of that day, and I remember the whole situation perfectly. Oh, wow, what <laughs> happened? Very crazy. What happened? Uh, so it was my brother and uh, his best friend. So they were teaching me, just like, stand away, like, pushing me along. And, you know, like, yeah, just keep, just keep pedaling, just keep pedaling. And I was like, okay, well, this is not too hard. And then I heard their voice slip back and they were like, way far. And as soon as I realized, I just crashed. Oh, no. <laughs> we did like two or three more times, and then I got confident. And since then, I just remember like, be like, okay, this is not that, that hard. <laughs> and then you realized that that was in your soul. That was it. Was, it was going to be you and the bike moving forwards. Oh, that's, that's lovely. I think we've all got one of those stories where we suddenly realize that the person behind us has let go, and we're like, you, <laughs> you tricked me. What are you doing? <laughs> And so you then talked about getting, you sort of jumped from then then into triathlon and sort of these ultra endurance events. And what was it about that kind of aspect of the sport that appealed to you? When did you first think like, oh yeah, I think I'm going to push myself even further? <laughs> um, so I think I've been doing this for about five years or so is when I started doing all these long distance stuff um first time i ever heard of anything related to this it was at a friend's wedding this guy was talking about this thing called iron man and i was like oh what was that <laughs> so they explained it i was into bikes at this point i was into like fixed gear bikes and and obviously bmx and he explained the whole concept of it and i was like well i used to I used to swim when I was younger, so the swim side would be just like a matter of like getting back. Uh, cycling, yeah, I can see that. And the running bit for me was the, the hard bit. And so I started researching about it, and I was like, wow, this, this looks pretty cool. Mm. I didn't do anything. 
at that point, I just like that sat in my head, and I was like, oh, okay. I told my friends, my friends pretty much laughed at me um, very hard because at that point, I was like smoking, drinking a lot, going out every day. So they were like, how someone like that is going to do something like this? Mm. Uh, so I was like, you guys listen to me, one day I'm going to do it. <laughs> and a couple of years later, I started training, kind of like got a like training plan from the internet, like not a coach or anything. I was I'm going to do a triathlon. I'm going to start with this and see how it feels. And yeah, just I started training a bit, not too much, just enough to get me through. Um, and as soon as I crossed the line, I was like, I, I need to keep doing this. Like I just got that thing inside. I was like, this is so cool. <laughs> and I haven't stopped since then. That's amazing. And did you jump straight in with an Ironman triathlon, or did you no, I did test the water a bit? Distance, mm-hmm. uh, then half Ironman, then an Ironman. A wow. full Ironman. <laughs> so you really went in for it when you decided. <laughs> yeah, I did it all within a year. Wow. <laughs> you but really got the bug. I stopped racing. Well, no, I just like, I prefer doing like things of my own, like the cycle to Spain, you know, that has, as I said, like, I like to use these things that I do to try and help others. Mm. Races are cool, don't get me wrong, and I love them, like I've, I've done a few here and there in the last years, but I prefer just like setting like a little mission for myself and kind of like make a something out of it which is what I've been doing for the last years. I also do my free time. I do help uh, where I can with different organizations and volunteer for, for different charities. So I think it's, it's a good message and it's a good way to put it out for people to understand about this actual message that I'm trying to send, which is not just the sport, but you know, uh, whether it's modern slavery or, or any other uh, things that a lot of organizations are doing right now. Yes, because I was going. That was sort of going to be my next question about um, what you kind of preferred in terms of then going on to devising your own challenges. Is it is it sort of that aspect of being able to kind of put it in your own frame and kind of the, the, frame your own purpose for it? Um, is there anything else that sort of appeals to you about it being being your own thing? Well, I guess. It, it takes a bit of a stress out of it to start with because <laughs> you're not racing with anybody. Yeah, a lot of people, including myself, go to a race and say like, no, I'm, I'm not racing today. You know, I'm racing my own race and I'm going to keep my own pace. But as soon as you're surrounded by people doing the same thing, whether they're faster than you or not, you're going to push it a bit. You know, <laughs> That's like, you, you take that momentum. So in that sense, that's out of the equation which is good. Um, also, when I'm doing all these things that I, I plan on my own, in my head, the only thing I've got is what's the purpose behind. So when I go into these dark places where, you know, after a few days out and you feel like, well, am I going to make it? Am I not? The only thing that's in my head is the purpose that why I'm doing it for. So depending on who I'm, who am I um, racing pounds for or or the, the, the reason behind, that's what's in my head and that's what keeps me pushing it and keeps me going and keeps me just waking up again and doing it over again. Mm. So, yeah, that so that kind of gives you your, your drive as well into it to yeah. accomplish it. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. So with Cycling for Soup, how, how did that come about? <laughs> Talk to me about that. <laughs> Yeah, so, well, it's, it's three of us, so I'm one of three. Um, I was thinking about this ride, um, which was from my house in, in Croydon all the way to my parents, they live where, where I'm from, in the south of Spain. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, it was the first time that actually it just came to my head. I was like, oh, why don't I use this to um, use it as a, as a fundraiser for, um, for this charity that I was familiarized with? Um, why did I do it? And then I spoke to my friend Mike, um, and he was like, "Yeah, makes sense. I think we can we can make something." He's an excellent photographer, 
So he was like, yeah, well, maybe we could document it and make a video of it and, you know, make something that people could watch and perhaps, you know, like raise more um, awareness about it. I was like, makes total sense. Like, that's, he literally shaped my whole idea into something more, <laughs> more readable and watchable for people because I'm very bad at explaining myself normally, especially when it comes to things that are related to me. <laughs> And you're doing very well are, now <laughs> you're doing very well today so <laughs> good job and he got on board Craig which is an excellent um, filmographer and he also got like um, in charge of the filming as well so they both were kind of like doing all the all the things that you guys see when you watch the videos they're doing everything like I just I just do the, the cycling or whatever, but everything that, that, you, that you watch on that channel is them doing all that magic, which I'm very grateful because, you know, it's, we do this for the love of it. Like, we don't get anything from it and we don't want anything from it. But yeah, that's, that's pretty much how it started. So just to kind of um, clarify for the listeners, it's it's a YouTube channel, right, With that then um, it's kind of a video documentation of the challenges that you undertake. Is that the best way of describing it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we the three of us have our own jobs, so this is something that we do when we have time and, and when we can. Um, I wish I could take him on all the things that I do. Unfortunately, we all have to pay the bills <laughs> and have to do our jobs. But, but yeah, it's... Um, it's all in there and, and yeah, just, just for the love of it. So with the the cycling home, where did the where did the inspiration come for that particular route? Because, you know, when people are kind of planning long distance runs or cycles or whatever, they might think, oh, I want to do kind of uh, going around the coast of Great Britain or something. Like why particularly were you drawn to cycling home? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> was it just completely random? Okay. Well, I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> Me and my friends, we tend to have a lot of silly conversations. <laughs> and one of them for a long time, well, let's start from the point that a bunch of my friends back from Spain, we all moved to, well, we all end up moving to the UK. Mm-hmm. One day we were sitting at home, just fucking nonsense. And we were like, well, it would be cool to cycle back to cycle back home. And I was like, we should do that. And three of us did it. But well, I did it on my own and the other two did it together. But I did it um, through England uh, to Plymouth. I'm from Plymouth to north of Spain and then cycling down to Madrid. Mm -hmm. And they kind of did the same, but like cycle a bit farther back down to Jerez, which is not far from, from where I'm from. So we did that, and it was amazing. We were like, oh, yeah, that's cool, blah, blah. I was like, I don't feel like I've done the whole thing yet. And then one day I woke up, and I was like, I'm going to cycle to my parents, but I'm going to cycle through France, through Spain, and not cheating. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I took, like, the shortest ferry that you can take out of the UK into France, cycle the whole length of France and the whole length of Spain because where they live is pretty much the opposite corner if you were to enter through through France. That's amazing. I love it that it just a kind of casual joke became became the premise for something really quite extraordinary. And so where does the soup come in then? I'm really intrigued by by the soup. <laughs> we needed to find um, we needed to find a reason for the cycle. <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> and talking to Mike, the, the guy who, um, my friend who, who takes the photos and, and does all the, the visuals for a cycling for two, we were thinking, like, okay, well, needs to, we need to have a reason, we need to have a name for this. At first, it was going to be called um, Cycling South or something like that, something related to the South because we were heading South. But then we were thinking like, okay, well, but that sounds pretty good, but, you know, it kind of has a name because you're cycling south, but if we want to use this for other challenges, it kind of like doesn't make sense if it's not related to this right specifically. 
And he was like, what's your favorite food? And I was like, well, I love soup. And he was like, and he, I think it took him not too long. And he just went like cycling for soup. And I was like, oh my God, it sounds amazing. <laughs> the soup, um, apart from a name, is just more of a metaphor. You know, it's uh, what's your soup? You know, it's more like, what's your challenges? What's that thing that is sticking inside of you that you are like, I want to do it, but perhaps I'm scared or I don't think I'm capable of. So it's more like the syrup is not just the food, but it's more like, a, is they go out there and do it. I love that, the kind of the simmering of the soup, the thing that is simmering inside you. Have I read that correctly? Is that the yeah, yeah, kind of correct. it? Yeah. I think I might steal that for use in some of my, <laughs> some of my lessons. Go I really, I really love that. <laughs> and so what was, um, uh, obviously the charities are really important as well um, that you were riding for. You've said that that kind of also sort of stoked the fire inside you. So um, what particular charities were associated with this ride and what were their significance to you? So on this ride, um, God, it was years ago. <laughs> uh, we did it for Child Freedom Foundation, which they uh, fight against modern slavery, and MS Society, which is uh, in support of uh, people that suffer from multiple sclerosis. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in terms of the MS, uh, there's uh, a few people close to me that are suffering from it. That means why I, uh, we were supporting them. And modern slavery is something that I, I've learned in the last years. Uh, when I found out and, and I understood what these organizations were doing and what was happening around me. like Because it's one of those things that you think is like, you know, far, far, like, you know, you think it's outside of, of our eyes, but it is happening. You know, it happens in the UK, it happens in most of the countries. And there's these few organizations that hate help against it. And and yes, I think in, in the last two or three years is something that I've been trying to support as much as I can. And very close to a London based organization called Ellis. Mm-hmm. And literally they, they do an incredible job to help all of the victims. It's a, it's a selfless act what, what uh, the, the owners of this organization do. And yes, I don't know, it's, it's just, I feel like it's the least I can do. And yeah, it's, I don't know, it's, I, it kind of like breaks my heart thinking that there's people that are going through this for no reason, you know, and, and I think if we were to help a bit more, I think we would live in a better world, obviously, but, yeah, it's one of those things that kind of hurts me a lot, so I try and do as much as it's in my hands to help. Well, I think you're an incredible advocate for those causes, and um, if you send me the links to that particular charity as well, I'll be sure to link to them in the show notes um because I think what you're doing with with raising awareness and speaking as you are is really is really incredible and that also kind of brings me to thinking about because you you said yourself like I'm just the cyclist like there's <laughs> so there's three of you in in this equation and it, it seems to me that this isn't so it's about the challenge but it's also about the message that comes across and kind of the, the documentation of it is really important. So what what is the significance of that documentation and kind of the role of the other two? Can you elaborate on that, please? So like what, um, what kind of stories are you sort of hoping to tell through, what's the messaging that you want to get across with it through through the act of documenting these challenges? Yeah, so, well, on top of raising awareness for, uh, for the courses, um, I think, um, you know, in terms of the sports, I think it's in- increasing right now. When we started, and I'm not calling myself a pioneer at all, <laughs> just before <laughs> anyone thinks that, or I sound like that, but... You know, I, I love watching conferences of sports and any anything. You know, I find motivation in, in all these type of videos. So our aim is, is to try and create something that we would watch. Because mm. um, I think it's, it is something that is 
it's uh, increasing a lot and it's improving and people are taking more media teams behind them into these massive challenges and races, which is amazing because they have all my time, you know. Mm. But, you know, three, three years ago, there was not many people documenting it in a nice way, not just like someone with a GoPro and whatnot, but like someone the way we do like in the last two years. So I guess we were we were looking to to create something like that because because um, as I said I do watch a lot of content of that type and when I would find something like that it's like wow like I would love to do that you know I would love to make someone feel the way I feel now <laughs> and just you know I want to go out like I've watched this and it, the only thing I want to do is just get out of my house and go and do three hundred kilometers. <laughs> And so the thing that I really like about about the content that you guys produce is that it does feel very kind of raw and obviously edited, but kind of unfiltered as well. Um, it's a lot of a lot of swearing that goes on at various points, but like it's very kind of um, you get your emotions coming through, and it doesn't hide when you're going through like really rough patches as well. It's definitely not the kind of glamorous version of the story by any means um and I, I was wondering is it important to you to be authentic in that way and and kind of honest I guess is maybe the word to use as well yeah absolutely um I guess another reason was that because um we get all these videos from pros and all that which they're amazing you know but I think in my personal opinion I enjoy more watching videos of the average Joe that nobody knows that that is real, you know, because at the end of the day, professionals are great athletes and, and, you know, but these people have a skill that not the average person has. Because, you know, uh, some people are born, you know, natural runners. Mm -hmm. They are like incredible runners. So they, I guess they, they see it or they feel it differently. Not all of them, but I guess that's that's how I see it. But when you watch a video from someone who's, you know, like, well, I, I think I'm nobody, you know, like I'm just a guy on a bike or swimming or running, you know. So we're like, okay, well, let's just um, let's just film it how it is, you know, and and that's that's how I feel when when this is happening. I am working on my swimming. I'm aware of it. <laughs> Especially now that I've got Leon, I think that's stopped. But but yeah, I guess keeping it raw, it gives uh, a better perception of what's happening to to the outside world. Because um, it's not just you know I'm not I'm not superhuman at all. So you know that's what we want to reflect and show people that these things are cool. What well, they call it Type B fun, right? Fun. Uh, fun. So. It is not fun when you're doing it, but in retrospective, it is fun. Absolutely. So I guess that's what we're trying to show. Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely type you fun. And you're just so humble about the whole thing. It's really, it's really lovely. Um, but then, so you talked about the kind of the downloaded uh, plan off the internet for some of like your first triathlons and things. But I mean, the preparation for something like that and some of your other sort of ultra endurance challenges is kind of a, a challenge in itself I would assume so what kind of preparation goes into that yeah or is um, there a pla or is there another internet downloadable plan for it <laughs> so well as I said you know like sports for me is um, it's always been a lifestyle I've, I've, I always do things whether I'm training for something or not currently I'm not training for anything in particular uh, but I still, you know, go out every day. You know, I go to the pool, I go for a run, I go for a ride. I'd say I don't, I don't call it train. I just, you know, it's something that I've been doing my entire life. So, but yeah, it's what, what, what people will call train, I do it six out of seven days a week. Mm -hmm. But when I, when I have an event or like something, a project or whatever coming, you can't like get more serious. Um, I've got a coach as well when it comes to those things. He's an incredible person and he's literally prepped me for most of the things that I've done. And yeah, it, it's a bit intense. Um, especially the last thing I did, which was, oh, well, the last official thing that I did, which was Ultraman UK. 
it was when my daughter was born already. So, you know, I was, I was training around 20 to 23 hours a week. Plus my eight hour job, nine to five. (laughs) Plus only having to spend, not having, but like spending time with my family. It was something intense. Um, I've got to say that my wife is the best support and supporter I have ever. Um, but yeah, it all comes to um, organizing your day, um, structure, and you know, sticking to it. And discipline is, is very important as well. Having to say no to a lot of social things when you're like, well, I want to have fun too, but it's like, well, what do you want? You need to keep a good balance of, okay, well, this is in the horizon. You know, that's my target right now. What do I want to do? Do I want to go out grounds one day and then mess up next day's training, or do I say no and after the trip, after the event, you know, I go back to normality? It's one of those things. Serialization and discipline, I guess, is the best way to put it. It sounds to me like you get a lot just from from doing the training, from moving your body in different ways, and that the sort of the the difficult part is is the balance of of everything else <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I mean I, I love training don't get me wrong like the the project event or like the race thing is is the result of it mm-hmm. uh, I think training is is the most the, the, the best the best part of it I, I'm into like nutrition and like see how your body changes and adapts so for me seeing how my body is adapting to all this training load and I'm like oh my god like I couldn't do this, or I couldn't go this far, this fast, <laughs> two months ago. And, you know, and, and eating and see how your body reacts to all of these stimulus. I think, I, I, I don't know, I just find it very, very cool. Like treating yourself like a kind of science experiment in a way. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's interesting what you learn about yourself through endurance sports I yeah, think. I'm, I'm my own guinea pig <laughs> and from um from the film of your trip to spain um it struck me that it was again not just about kind of the physical challenge but also the kind of interactions that you had with people along the way um, and I was sort of interested to learn a little bit more about that and what you learned from them if there were any kind of takeaways from the people that you met yeah definitely um, it's funny because now looking back there's so many things I would do differently just like <laughs> everything that you do in life <laughs> but yeah that trip was my first ever and that long cycle ride like all self-supported, you know. I never been more than I think five days was the max that I've ever done. Mm. But it was like I was going to to hotels like every day. I, I didn't camp, so this was like my first proper going out camping. And like kind of like sorting myself out every all, all the way through. Um. But yeah, there was a lot of organization on it in terms of like how I send parcels of food to different spots so I could pick them up. Um, I let some people know that I was going to be there certain days. Funny enough, when I was going through the border in France, uh, one of my friends texted me. I don't know why, but he sends me the location that he's in France. I think he knew I was doing this and he knew I was around France. But when I checked the location on my phone, he was like five minutes from where I was. So there is an image in the video where I'm like with a bunch of bats and a dog and I'm just like going to be like, oh, what's this? So I literally that moment was not planned at all. So I bumped into them because he sent me his location as a joke as I'm asking like, I'm in France too. Um... That literally puts you in a different and a different um, frame of mind, you know. Like, um, especially that day was really bad because it rained the whole day, so I was a bit down. But then I see my friend, so he's like, "You know, I can't get you back up." Um, I I saw my brother as well one day, which is is pretty good. Saw my sister and and her kids, 
start. It got me up again. So all of these interactions, as well with the locals and everything that we were speaking to, it's cool. Um, it it kind of gives more sense to the whole trip. So you're not just there cycling and, you know, with like, with your blinkers or oh, I need to cover this dis- distance or whatnot. And it just brings light to your day as well. I like talking to people. <laughs> 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 they're not too bad I don't think <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot of good people out there to chat to <laughs> oh that's awesome and do, do you find when you're going these kind of long distances how does it change your relationship to kind of the environment as well and the landscape that you're traveling through it's crazy like the, the first trip I ever did on my bike my dad asked me like why why so long and I remember telling him, and I stick by this, um, the way you see the world from your bike, no mode of transfer is going to give you. So the way, the, the, even if you go on a road bike, uh, you don't even have to go off-road, because obviously you won't be able to do it, uh, to see it that way in a car. But even, even if you go on a road bike, the way you perceive everything, a car from a car or, or a motorbike, you won't get it that way. I think it makes you realize as well, like details that at a higher speed you might not be able to see. But also the fact that you are the one who's pushing that little tool from point A to point B, it just makes it so cool and so amazing. It's amazing. It's like having a kind of seeing the world through a bike cam kind of thing. Like your lens is hyper focused by being on yeah. being on the bike. That's that's really cool, and I guess do you, is there a kind of aim for that with the film documentation as well to kind of see things from sort of bike perspective in a way? Uh, not necessarily just uh, from the bike. Uh, we made some videos about Ultraman as well, which is it's, it's more about the community, yeah, uh, in sports. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I guess. Cycling is my biggest one, but um, I'm really lover of swimming. Um, I've been doing a lot of running in the last years, which I kind of enjoy a lot. It was one of those things that I just started because of the, the running side of the triathlon. But it's funny how I just go for a run, for a run now because I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's more about getting out, you know, and, and enjoy that thing, whether if it's cricket or whatever the sport is. <laughs> So talk, talk to me about some of the other challenges that you've undertaken and how they're kind of, how they've differed from that really long trip to <laughs> home <laughs> for the soup. And uh, yeah, we've uh, said about Ultraman, um, if you talk a bit more about that. Yeah, I guess uh, the biggest one would be, I did Ultraman uh, last, last year. Mm-hmm. Um, Ultraman UK, which... Uh, for those who don't know, it's three days, three days race. The first day is 10 kilometers swimming and 170 something cycling. The first day, second day is 280 cycling, 170 something cycling. And the third day is a double marathon. Wow. <laughs> the, one in, the one in the UK is based in Wales, in Esnodonia, which is... <laughs> very hilly and very savage in terms of like weather conditions. Uh, I put my heart on my soul training for this thing like just because I was so scared of not making the cutoff points. I was like, I'm, I'm going to, someone's going to push me like, no, nah, you can't continue. <laughs> uh, you're taking too long. So I was training so hard for it just to be able to complete it. Um, funny enough, I managed to place first and and I well I, I broke the previous uh, course record uh, which I was very shocked to be honest like I couldn't even understand what was going on but <laughs> I guess the, the best part of the whole race is not the race mm. it's the actual environment around the whole race obviously this is not the type of race that 3,000 people sign up for um, it's a very small number of people, which makes it so 
it makes it like a little family. You know, like I was happy to see some other support crews. I was I was happy to have someone to run along or cycling with. You know, it's you know, I was waiting, well, everyone was waiting for each other at the finish line every day. It's and that brought me so much joy of I was like, if I was to race again, I want to race in a similar scenario like this. And and the next one is something I did not long ago, uh, which there was no documentation for it. Which I did something similar, like the one, uh, the first cycling for video that we made, cycling down to, to, to the south of Spain. But I did it from my house again to Madrid. Okay. And uh, this time I did it uh, non-stop. So I set off from my house one day, can't remember what day of the week it was. Cycled over, got ferry, slept on the ferry. And then from the other end of the ferry, I didn't stop cycling till I got to Madrid. Um, this was in aid for Ellis uh, and helped them because they're building a new uh, safe house for, for victims. So I was trying to raise um, a little extra help that they might need for it. But yeah, it was, uh, it was very challenging <laughs> mentally, especially the last 24 hours where probably the worst I've ever been in my life. So you didn't stop? <laughs> no, I was cycling for, I think it was like 60 something hours or 60 hours, something like that. Wow. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah. That's left me slightly speechless. I, 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 think I, I would ever do this again anyway. <laughs> I mean, what, that must have been really tough. Like, what it, kept you, what kept you going through that? Uh, well, the reasons behind. Um, the first, uh, I can't even count it in days, like in my head, I'm trying to think how it was. So I think it was nearly three days in total that I was cycling. So when I was in France, I was okay, because I was in France quite flat. So I was like okay-ish. As soon as I crossed the border, the, the night before I crossed into Spain, I was already like, you know, it's, the night time is the worst time, obviously. I was very tired at that point. Um, there is a bit that you go through, because I was going on a, on a gravel bike, so it was, most of it was off-road. <laughs> Sorry. And, yeah, the last night, you know, the lights and the shades and everything kind of like starts getting a bit misshapen. I, I wasn't delirious, but your your eyes kind of like play fun things with with all the shapes and everything, and I was not enjoying it. You know, sometimes I've been in that I've been in that position before. But I'm like, well, okay, I know where it is. You know, I just start. But at that point, I was like, poof, uh, I I don't want to be here. You know, I remember my sister calling me, like trying to like, cheer me up. I tried to call my wife as well. I was, I was trying to talk to somebody, and. My sister, bless her, and one of my best friends, uh, they drove all the way up to North Spain. So they saw me in the morning of the last day, and they kind of like drove all the beats that they could, and they were like, cheer me up, and like, you know, like just hang out with me when I was not cycling. And but this is like, we're talking like 700 kilometers. Like they drove 700 kilometers at five in the morning just to go up. <laughs> and see me every hour or two all the way back down to Madrid. I think if it wasn't for them, I would not have been able to finish that thing because I was really bad the last day. What do they think about these challenges that you concoct for yourself, your family? What's their reaction to it? <laughs> um, my mom hates them. <laughs> <laughs> in a nice way but you know like a mother she's like oh be careful you know you're you're too old to do these things uh, my dad is quite neutral he doesn't like he, he likes hearing from them but like just neutral my wife says she's um, what's the term she uses she's uh, 
she doesn't feel anything anymore every time I talk about all these things. <laughs> She's got to tell me, I can't remember the exact word. Uh, and yeah, I don't know, you know, my friends just know how I am, so they just, they're like, oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Can't wait to see it. <laughs> if your daughter, what age do you think your daughter, you do think you'd be okay with her turning around and saying, Dad, I want to do do this. <laughs> what, how old do you think she needs to be to, to say, <laughs> I, I want to do she's like already, you do? <laughs> she's a really pretty adventurous. <laughs> uh, well, she, right now she's not even two. But, yeah, I know. If, if that time comes, like, I'll be fully supported, you know. I, I guess I'll, I'll obviously explain to be safe you know like I don't I don't do any of these um, without a safe point of view you know like I've got if I go away I've got a tracker in my helmet mm-hmm. you know like if, if it hits like if you move the helmet very drastically like it will send my location to, to my wife um, although I've done very stupid things I think the first thing I did it was probably the stupidest thing I've ever done in my life I cycled to France in the winter with summer gear, I nearly freeze to death. <laughs> yeah. But from that experience, I've learned. So, you know, my friends normally come to me and, and when they're going to do something like that, it's nice to share it. You know, I think these days is different because there's, there's mo- loads of videos out there. You know, as I said, there's loads of people putting content out there, explaining how they do and what they do. But when I started, there was none of that. So I just went like, okay, well, I'm just going to go with my summer gloves, minus 10 degrees to France. So from that incredible challenge that you faced, it sounds like, um, I mean, there's obviously some things that you can kind of anticipate as being a challenge on that, like the sleep deprivation and things. But was there anything that surprised you um, in terms of what you found particularly difficult? From which one? From the cycling to Madrid. Um, I guess, hmm, I'd say the way the route was planned, um, again, okay, so I had the fantastic idea of doing it in February, um, <laughs> this year, 2022, sorry, <laughs> um, which... It allowed me to get all the way down there, but not exactly to where I wanted to be because the last mountain, when I reached to the top, which I thought I was going to, I thought my body at that point was, I, I don't think I was connecting physically and mentally whatsoever. Because um, as I said, France is quite flat. So I went through France and I was like, okay, I feel quite nice. No, knowing that I was obviously was getting more tired and more tired over the time. I got into Spain and then all the hills are in Spain. So I get to the last mountain where I'm like completely exhausted, reach the top to face, and I'm not joking, like a four to six meter high wall of snow. <laughs> so I'm like, what do I do now? <laughs> so I took the decision, I was like, okay, well, I got all the way here, like, I got the distance I wanted, you know, like, this is it, like, I'm stopping right now. So I stopped there, and like, thank God that my, my friend and my sister were there, because if not, I would have to go around my, um, on my own. But yeah, we drove down the mountain back to the way I came. And then next day I cycled to where I was meeting a group of people that were meeting me to in support of the of the whole of the whole ride. Um, but yeah, the, the most I guess the physical side of it the, the last day was was the most challenging part. And mental. So the kind of the, the mental game was the the bit that maybe surprised you a little yeah, bit. I'm very good with it. On a normal basis, like I've I've done a lot of, of long distance for many days and all that. Like I'm I'm good being on my own, mm. but I guess this one because it was I've never done so long without sleeping. So I guess 
hence why the last day was was the new game for me because I've never done three days in a row. I never had done, and I probably will never do again. <laughs> I never, I've never done three days in a row, so it was the last day, the new, the new thing for me, and and that's why I was like, God, like, why am I doing like this? Is too much, you know? Like, is it is it actually safe or not? What I'm doing. That's why I don't think I will ever do something like that. And what is it? I mean, that is obviously like quite an extreme example of of the challenges that you've kind of undertaken. But what is it personally that you get from pushing yourself in in that way? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, myself, like everyone. You know, we've got our things, we've got our demons, we've got, and you know, only a backpack with, with four things. Um, I think endurance and, and being so long owned, it stopped me a lot about myself. It's uh, allowed me to, to see a, a version of myself, you know, to correct mistakes, what I thought, what I think. Our mistakes and you know I always say like it's like a little mirror you know when you when you're in in those dark moments it's a little mirror where you actually see your true self and and I think that's enabled me to be the person that I'm trying to be and or I am today so yeah pushing and, and being on your own on those moments I think is is helped me if anything it's helped me a lot no, I can I can relate to that definitely. That idea of it's just you and you and yourself, really. Isn't yeah, it? There's, there's no one to to lie. You know, there's no there's no. You, I'm not doing this to prove anything to any to anyone. You know, I'm doing this when when you're there on your bike and you know. I don't know. Like I've I had a moment where I started doing 600 kilometers and I had a, a summer a few years back where I was trying to cover these distances in one go and I was on my own you know I was I was doing it because I wanted to do it and there's no oh what if I take a shortcut there's no shortcuts because there's there's no race there's no nothing you know it's, I'm doing this for me and I think it teaches you so much about yourself or at least it has to be it might not work for everyone but I think Everyone, as you said, you know, you, you feel a bit the same. And my friends who does similar things, we can't like all are in the same way for thought of this helping um, in a positive way, especially with your mental health and in and, and that sense. And you talked about um, about things like the, uh, the Ultraman and things. I mean, that's obviously a competition. Um, where you're competing against others as well as that kind of competition with yourself when you're doing solo endurance challenges. What does that competition with others give you? As I said, like, I was not expecting it at all. Um, I remember getting out of the water the first day and asking my sister, like, how many people are in front of me? And she was like, you're the first one up. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I... I don't think at any point I was racing until the last 15K of the third day. Because I was just, you know, doing it and soaking every mile of it. I was trying to enjoy. Luckily, it's no Donia. It's very easy, you know, to, to feast your eyes with, with the scenery because it's incredible. But, yeah, I wasn't... So I said, yeah, no, I wasn't racing. I was trying not to race. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I was trying, yeah, not to feel that pressure and just to, like, absorb everything that I was doing and, and put all that training into, into effect rather than stress myself about anything. I just wanted to finish it. The last 15K, I've got to say that I got a bit like, God, I need to finish this. And and the end of the day, this this first three we were just like minutes from each other so it was a matter of like okay well if I push it now I might be first <laughs> if I don't I might not mm. so yeah I remember uh, Craig and um, the guy who films from cycling pursuit 
I stopped for water and, and he said, yeah, the guy's just around the corner. And I remember just like dropping everything and start running again, which a few days later, he confessed to um, half been joking. So apparently the guy was like miles away. <laughs> and I was like, man, like I was so tired. I didn't want to run anymore. <laughs> So for you, it really is that kind of connection to the community that comes from competition rather than, apart from that last, like, <laughs> last sprint to the finish that, that kind of drives you is what I'm hearing, really. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's crazy. Like, it's literally, like, the whole world does not mean anything. And the only thing that matters is that those, however many around you, Oh, you know, it's it's great. It's like it's like you've known each other for years, although you literally just met them the day before. Because I did not know any of these people before. <laughs> but yeah, it's great. It's great to look at someone, and for that period of time, it's like you guys are brothers. <laughs> and what do you? So people kind of listening to this, or who you maybe share your story with when you're in that kind of community. What do you hope that people take from listening to you tell your story? What do you, what, what, sorry? what do you hope that people take from or get from listening to your story? I, I don't know. I hope <laughs> I hope they get you know the message of I guess you know sports are if they get the message of what is sports. Is done to me and the people behind Sanjing for soup, it will it will be splendid, you know, it will make my day and my life. You know. Um I I might be the one in front of the camera, but Mike and Craig, Mike is a splendid cyclist as well. And Craig enjoys a lot of running as well, and he's been pushing himself a lot. So I guess for the three of us, sports done a lot. So I guess if, if that message is what people perceive, I'll be more than happy. Well, I think you're a very inspiring individual. And I'm curious, like, who inspires you? Who inspires me? Um, I guess, well, first and foremost, I'd say everyone who I'm surrounded by. Um, doesn't necessarily have to be sports-related. I'm inspired by, I don't know, sometimes I'm inspired by how badass my wife is, you know, at her job and at life in general. Um, my friends, obviously. Um, and when it comes to, like, sterile from my circle, I guess it's people that are not trying to show anything but just doing stuff because they love it. And they're accomplishing so much because of that passion. Um, with all the respect to all the athletes, because obviously athletes are, are athletes. So their their, achieve, their achievements are obviously incredible. But I guess I get more from the average Joe who I watch a video and it's like, well, look what this guy's done, you know, and just for the fun of it. I guess it's those things. Um, or anything that, that helps the world be a better place, you know, that, that inspires me a lot. That kind of like pushed me to go out and, and do something. Yeah, those sort of small acts of service every day that kind of make mm. the world go round really, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Whether whether that's cycling a really long distance or, as you say, being, being a mum and being a wife and, and supporting someone unconditionally, like even Absolutely. when they go and decide to, you know, cycle to France in, in the winter and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah you, don't, you don't need to cycle too far, you know. Like Sometimes I see people doing sure things, but they're so outside their comfort zone. And that's 10 times more inspiring than the guy who is done this long thing, but perhaps he or she is just used to it. You know, it's, it's just getting there and, you know, and, and tackling something that you're not comfortable with, I guess. I think that's really important to be reminded of because obviously, I mean, on on this podcast, I do tend to kind of interview, you know, people who've done sort of stereotypically impressive things, I guess. But I think 
the the common thing amongst them is that actually it's the small things that make them unique and able to do those kind of like big hard things the actual yeah. hard things tend to be actually the the day-to-day stuff um that makes them really inspiring i think rather than mm. necessarily the big grand narratives <laughs> that maybe get written about and stuff <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I listened to that podcast that um, you had with uh, I can't remember his name. Sorry, the French guy who takes photos. Oh yeah, Jean Baptiste. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, super cool. Like I really enjoyed it. Like I was in my bike when I was listening to it, and it was like I remember really, like smiling constantly. I think what impressed me the most is what he mentioned about changing his life three sixty and just leaving everything and going to the mountains. I was like, what a dude. <laughs> <laughs> Doing that is such a step. I was like, that's incredible. That kind of thing are the ones that inspire me. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think, like, from our discussion, we sort of said that that comes from a place of being able to do that and, and privilege as well. Um, but, but he made changes that he that he knew were going to be more authentic to himself. And I think there's, there's a message there about being true to yourself and, and, and making the changes that will enable you to do that. That is, is really, um, is really kind of worth discussing and, and, and thinking about, I think definitely. I'm glad you did your homework as well, listening to, <laughs> to the back catalogue. Well done. <laughs> so, I've just got a few more quick fire questions. I don't want to eat into your into your family time and, and evening. You've been so generous with your time. So these are just some kind of like ones that I hope you don't have to think so hard about. <laughs> so my first one is road or mountains? Mountains. Cadiz or Croydon? <laughs> I guess, I mean, I wouldn't, I, okay, can I explain all that? Yeah, you can, you're going to divide I, your family. I'd say, I'd say uh, Cadiz, just because, yeah, it's a complete different place, especially compared to Croydon. Uh, I love my house and everything, but, you know, um, I wouldn't move there until I retire, if I do. <laughs> but if I have to choose to sit by the beach or in the here next to the main road, I'll say where my parents live next to the beach. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, what's your favourite soup? Uh, so my mum makes like a, like an aubergine creamy vegan soup that is incredible, which is in that video and that is my favorite one amazing do you have the recipe for that i don't have it uh, but i can i can get it for you <laughs> is it gonna be is it a secret family hand me down <laughs> it might be one of those things that she just knows how to make and perhaps there's no recipe to it <laughs> anything gets thrown in it may not even be aubergine for all you know <laughs> <laughs> god knows <laughs> Oh, that's amazing! So creamy, creamy aubergine soup. Sorry, what's your mother's name? You can call it Maria. Mar- Maria's creamy aubergine soup. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, um, as you'll know, the last question: if you've done your homework, um, what does joy mean to you? Um, been thinking about this the last couple of days. <laughs> um, I've got to say that joy is being outside and not knowing what's going on. Going out on a mission and the uncertainty of how everything changes, although you think you have planned everything. And and when you're in that situation, you know, and you feel what people call an adventure, I think is where I find joy. The unexpected. Being yeah. surprised. <laughs> Thank you so much again for your time um, this evening. I've learned so much from this conversation. You've been an absolute delight, and I'm just—I'm still so 
astonished by your humility and just your your generosity in in life is just something that I think so many people can learn from and I think like you said about soup being being a metaphor and I think it's something that I really want to take forward and kind of apply every day and I think this conversation has been a kind of that that simmering of the soup as well that hopefully people can kind of sip or slurp and savour um, and really think about how you can value those kind of everyday moments of kind of heroism that, that come from just putting yourself beyond your comfort zone and and doing things for others as well in a really open and altruistic fashion. So thank you so much. Um, thank you. Thank <laughs> you for having me. It's really great. Have a lovely evening. You too. I'm so grateful to the community that is growing around the podcast and if you've enjoyed today's episode I would so appreciate if you can share it with your communities and help spread the message of support, perseverance and joy further. If you have any feedback or suggestions for future guests you can find me on Instagram at running underscore on underscore joy. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time for Running on Joy.